0: Welcome to episode 26 of a Thai football podcast. With me, Dale Farrington. And me, Rob Bernard. Hello, Rob. How are you
1: doing? Yeah, not so bad, thanks, Dale. Good weekend. Nice football. I seem particularly cheered today for some reason.
0: Yeah, we'll come to that later. I've got a feeling I might know what's put you in a good mood. Yeah, I'm amazed you didn't hear me cheer. So we've got a lot to get through this week. It's an absolutely packed programme, so we're gonna to have to crack on. And we're gonna start as we usually do with a couple of match reports. Ties match reports.
2: Hello, Dale. This is Kevin from Kickoff Corner, and this is my match report for Muangthong United vs. Ratchaburi. The game was a draw, the score was 1 1. But let me tell you one thing from from the get-go this game was one of the most boring games i've ever been to from the very first minute i've never ever witnessed a crowd that silent they did not even bother clapping when the kickoff whistle went off and when i talk about the goals the first goal came out of nowhere it was a beautiful strike by the ex-mong united player korovic tasa but i still think the keeper should have saved it but my problem over here was Mung dragged the game on for way too long till Villian Pop got the equaliser in the 64th minute. But Ratchaburi got their first goal in the first four minutes. Talking about the problems, Villian Pop was one of the worst players on the pitch. I know he did score a goal and the stats might say that, you know, he was not one of the worst, but he failed the eye test. He was so frustrating to watch. He just could not bother making the simple pass. I don't know what he thinks about himself, it's almost like he wanted to do everything on his own. He reminded me so much of Marcus Rashford, you know? He used to take on the players on his own. You would see him not tracking back after making a silly mistake and just give up on the pitch. He was really lucky that he got that goal. But overall, his game was abysmal. There were a few chances Milton could have capitalized on. But Villian Pop just decided not to make that simple pass and he has costed us the game pretty much. I know he did score the goal but this game should not have been 1-1. Looking at, you know, the way the game went, I think Rachaburi should have won that game. But overall, I think Meung Tong gained a point in this game rather than drop two points. That game was looking so bleak and it almost looked like Meung Tong were not even gonna get a single point. So a point for Meung Tong over here is probably a blessing. And I feel bad for the Ratchaburi fans for, you know, kind of dropping two points because they probably deserve to win this game. Anyways, that's pretty much it from my side. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast this week and keep it up with the good work you guys are doing. So thank you so much for that and good luck with the show.
0: Thank you, Kevin. And thanks for the kind words. Much appreciated. Now, got some sad news for everyone. Unfortunately, Reza, who's our regular Ratbury correspondent, was... Very selfishly, having some time to himself this weekend, so he wasn't able to get to the game. However, John Oliver, who has been on the show before, stepped in and sent us this report from the game at Tong on Saturday. Tied to the Match report.
3: Dale has asked me to stand in for Riza, who couldn't make it to this game, but was watching the game on his phone in Malaysia. This is my first visit to the Thunderdome, and thank you, Dale, for helping us with the car park information. It didn't help the car park was in use by Carnival, but we found an empty corner in which to park. Firstly, my thoughts on the Thunderdome it was built for football, which always is an advantage in Thailand. A nice facility with two club shops and adjoining training pitches. A bit pricey, though, with admission for visiting fans 25% higher than the Dragon Solar Park, and a can of beer costs 20% more. Okay, on the game. And Ratchet, we were starting without their goal machine, Martin Najiva. But we had trusty Kolarovich ready to stand to the mark with our faithful shot waiting in the wings, so no problem. Ratch we got off to a perfect start with Kolarovich fired home from the edge of the box in under four minutes. It was a close game with end-to-end football from start to finish. The main mounting threat was from William Pot breaking free down the wing several times before eventually beating our informed Campon in the sixty-fourth minute. Both sides had chances to take three points, but it remained at one-one, which I think was probably a good reflection of an excellent game of football. Cheers.
1: Yeah, John, that sounds like a, a fair result 1-1. One, one. Very interesting to uh listen to the contrasting prices as well.
3: Yeah, I guess
0: Bangkok prices when you're out in the provinces, Rob, and you go to the big city Yeah, yeah. It's a big shot to all us country bumpkins. Sure. But yeah, it was a good report from John. And as he alluded at the start of his match report, I did give him tips on where to park the car. So thankfully they found a space. I mean, there's always somewhere around there, isn't there, where where you can park. Although, have you ever driven to Mung Tong, Rob?
1: I only drive through the covers. Hi, my name is Anthony and I'm listening to a Thai football podcast.
0: Now, we did have a report from Isaac who went to watch Konken United against BGPU, a game that I saw and I was I was very impressed with Konken United, actually. So this is Isaac talking about his team's 1-1 home draw against one of the top sides in the country. Tied to podcast, matric- 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 matric-
4: Hosts Konken United held BGPU to a 1-to-1 draw in front of a crowd of more than 6,000. The fans who turned up were likely disappointed to have missed a chance to see Chinathip Songkrasin, yet were satisfied in the end to see the T1 draw specialists walk away with a point against the title challengers. Renato Kelleck scored the opening goal in the ninth minute for the visitors, heading home from point-blank range, from a flick on corner. Konken United would have a very similar chance to score a few minutes later but had their close-range shot bounce off the crossbar. There was a VAR check to see if there was a foul during the ensuing scramble in the mouth of the goal, but no penalty was given and rightly so. The home side grabbed the equaliser shortly after halftime, also scoring from a corner. A low cross that passed through the legs of several players eventually found its way to the feet of Jacket Pelopon, who swept the ball into the back of the net. The visitors had a few chances to grab a winner, but were denied by United keeper Kyrawat Wongthapan, who turned in yet another man-of-the-match performance.
1: Yeah, you've got to say that's a creditable point for Conquen. I saw BG the other week, and they look good, and they're on a a bit of a run. So they'll be happy with that point, I would guess.
0: I would think so. It was a good battling performance, and the crowd was incredible. I mean, there were 6,500 there, and they really got behind the side. It looked like a a cracking atmosphere. Great result for Conquen United. Now we're going to drop down a couple of divisions, and we've got our old mate Steve, he was at a game at the weekend, and he's, he starts by talking about car parks as well. Tied to the podcast,
5: Cass and Bundy are playing from left to right, kicking towards the car park. I shall give you a further update if there's any act- action or any goals, otherwise I shall come back at half time. Cassim have got a penalty. It was definitely a foul. They did protest, but the referee had no doubt about it. So they, they're just about to take their penalty. Of course, it's for the African star player. And he blows the whistle and he steps up to take. Oh, left footed as well. Oh no, he's changed his mind. He's going to go right footed. There. Yeah, into the corner, no messing. One to look Cassim Bullet after five minutes. Penalty deservedly so. It's half time here at the Castle Stadium of the newly-named Trawandi Stadium. The penalty was the only goal of the game. It's been quite a scrappy game, actually, and both sides just lost position in midfield most of the time. The African guy, number 10, he seems to think he wants to do everything. He wants to beat the players, he wants to score. In the first half, on the right-hand side, Casemarie had attack, crossed the ball into the middle. Some Casemarie player was on the six-yard line, tried to blast it into the goal. It kicked the ball into the car park. From six yards out. Pretty scrappy game at the moment. 1 0 Kassim so hopefully we'll get a better second half. Mm-hmm. The African guy just beat about three players, got to the edge of the area, plotted in from about 17 yards straight into the top corner. 2 nil, Kassim with about 20 minutes to go. Great goal from the number four. Running from his own half, beat the offside trap, played it through to himself, I remember about Alan Allen all those years ago. Run through, to the goalie, slipped past the defender, lost it into the entry corner. Great goal. Cast in three. V R N nil. I think there's no way back then at the moment. Well, there goes the final whistle at the new D Stadium. It's Kassamundi 3 BRN nil. It was a much better second half from Kassamundi. They went 2-0 up and then seemed to throw caution to the wind. Played five up front. They scored two very good goals in the second half. One from just outside the area. It's from the African player. And the third goal was a great goal. The man went through himself on the halfway line. Just pushed it through the defenders. He tried to put him offside. He'd run through himself. There's a crowd of about maybe 250 to 300 this week. And like I'd say there's about 25, 30 away fans. And it was a fair result. Kassim Monday at three. BRN nil. Good game. Good second half. First half a bit scrappy. Second half much better.
1: Casting Bundit are good, and it's lovely to hear that they're upgrading the ground. I had a quick look on Facebook. They put new seats in in one stand, uh, and Steve apologised. He had to disappear and do one of the reports. He said a very loud couple of women sat next to him. I thought he'd gone back to Scarborough.
0: But you're right about the ground. It does. It does look very impressive now, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a nice place to watch football, and has a nice big car park as well. Well, it sounds like one of the players found it from six yards. I think that's what we should do in future weeks. We should do a focus on car parks at football grounds.
1: Yeah, I can give you my my history of being a car park attendant
0: at Hendon to fill in an hour. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah, I would like to hear about that. It was
1: interesting because it sort of replicated a crazy golf course without any lines on it. So it, it wasn't easy. All about customer care, Dale.
0: Absolutely. And it, it's, it's made you the man you are today as well, Rob, no doubt. It's helped, helped shape your character. Crikey. I must have been bad at it.
2: Hi, I'm Sabina. I'm listening to a Thai football podcast.
0: So, our next match report comes from our old friend Bill Greaves, who went to watch his beloved sucker tie at Police Tarot this weekend. Ties to Match, match reports.
6: This is the report on the uh, police tarot game on Sunday with Sukutai Firebats. When the game started, Sukutai were planning on a game of hard, serious defense and hoping to score on the breakaway. When it got going, Sukutai had more of the game, but both teams were playing the same style solid defense and fast breakaways. And the police breakaways were fast. Sukhothai had an early goal, but VAR reared its ugly head, and the goal was ruled off. The game continued, and before half time, there was a little rough play in the Sukhothai area and police got a penalty. There was no debate about the penalty, and the goal was scored. At halftime, Sokotau were losing one nothing, and no one was really concerned. We were by far the better team in the first half. We had an unlucky penalty awarded against us. Uh, the second half would see matters put right, surely. When the second half got going, it was the same as the first. Mainly Sukutai attacking and police with lightning-fast breakaways. On one of those breakaways, there was a mix-up between the defenders kicked the ball, which actually it hit the striker's arm, but then it trickled into the goal and we were down 2-0. At this point, the emotion was terrible. We were by far the better team, and we were losing 2 nothing. <laughs> what could be worse? On 70 minutes, Bonilla got a nice goal. It was 2-1. At that point, the emotion in the away supporters area was, well, if we're lucky, we'll get a 2-2 draw out of this. Let's see what we can do, and then Not long after, a beautiful header, boom, it was 2-2. And when that goal went in, I was thinking, we can win this game. We don't have a lot of time, but we've got enough time. And sure enough, a few minutes later, Baggio, with beautiful play, put it over the goalie's head, ran around him and put it in the net. We were up 3-2, and the emotion at the away supporters end was incredible. Sukhothai has a group of supporters who live in Bangkok and call themselves the hardcore and they go to all the away games and add atmosphere like you would never believe. When we won that game the emotion was crazy. I know people sometimes wonder why week in, week out, we travel to see away games. Being at the bottom of the table, more often than not, we have to endure frustration, sadness... All kinds of terrible emotions. But why do we do it? Because every so often we get a game that gives an absolutely brilliant result, and Sunday's game was one of those. It was a long, forty years ago. I was in Gothenburg to watch Aberdeen beating Real Madrid, the last time Madrid was beaten in a European final, and. After winning that one, approximately 2-3 in the morning, you couldn't sleep, but I was absolutely drained. And last night, when we were having dinner after the game, I felt the same way. I was excited. I was exhausted. What a great game. Thank you.
1: And that's a lovely report, as ever. And a great comeback, too down to win at Terrell, obviously fighting for their lives. That is a big result in the relegation battle. It was,
0: yeah. good, Good performance as well. Good second-half performance. I did see snippets of it, and they looked... Well worth the win, actually. I think they'll probably end up comfortably mid-table, won't they, Suck a tie this season?
1: Yeah, he's a good player, in not he, John Baggio? Yeah,
0: I think he's everybody's favourite player, as well. Oh, I like
1: Bill at Chiang Rai. I want to go out with Bill for a night. Do
0: you think you'd survive? I think I'd have more chance with Bill Greaves than Bill at Chiang Mai. Maybe the three of you could go out. That'd be interesting. And bump into Leroy, um, what's he called, Leroy Lita? In a nightclub in cat wow well, anything can happen here, as you well know.
1: Hi, my name is Tim, and I'm listening to a Thai football podcast.
0: When is a home game not a home game? And we're about to find out. So it's over to you, Rob, and you can explain why the away team was playing at home and the home team were playing away. Thai, Thai football Thai podcast. podcast. Match
1: Yes, Dale, the local derby here in Cisicut has ended. Rice right Isla United nil, Cisicut United 1. And a feisty encounter in the second half after quite a dull first half where it looks as though the sides were going to replicate the nil-nil play between them earlier in the season. The half livened up with some bizarre refereeing decisions. Uh, the owner of Rice Issa hanging over the railings at half-time to offer the officials some severe feedback. A lady not to be messed with, that's for sure. After the break, Issa Kitt came out with more intent and took the lead five minutes after the interval when the ever-impressive Panagatsi headed home. A cross came in, a brave header in front of the keeper, the ball loping into the net, sending the circuit fans wild. Danilo, the Brazilian, who I have said in the past, uh, maybe a little bit on the lacklustre side, but in a fine effort in this encounter, pivotal in a lot of moves using his strength and power and the had a pace that we thought was long gone. Finally the Ricey Salai coach came into action, made some changes, got on the ever impressive Natchinon, always in the action that boy. He missed a penalty in the first encounter and was then sent off. But he added energy and pressed and pressed and in the stop in stoppage time they saw a shot Ricochet back off the underside of the bar. It was a derby like no other in a way, rising to usual venue out of commission due to a marching band festival which drew a far bigger crowd and an ample reminder of stand the standing of football here in Thailand. So, Sisa Kett remained top, a good game, crowd of five three six.
0: That sounds like another good entertaining afternoon, Rob. I think you're quite spoilt up there in the North East, aren't you?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, obviously with two clubs in the city and Ubon just up the road, there's always something to watch. The first half was a bit dull, but the second half, both teams really went for it. The coaches seemed to have read a different tactical manual at half-time, and, and it made for a good encounter, yeah, and a good atmosphere.
0: So you don't regret missing out on the marching band competition then? You think you made the right choice?
1: Do you know what? In an ideal world, I'd have, I'd have seen both, but... Not always easy. I wouldn't have minded seeing some of it. There was a massive crowd there.
0: And talking of massive crowds, possibly the biggest game this weekend was in Bangkok at the Pat Stadium, where Port played Buriram United and came out 4-1 winners, which does explain your good mood today, Rob.
1: I must admit, I did enjoy that game last night. I thought Port were absolutely outstanding. They would have beaten anyone in the league last night.
0: They did look very impressive, I must admit. But someone who's not feeling as happy is Jamie Pinder. Now, Jamie's a Bury Ram United fan. Pre-match, he'd agreed to come on and talk about the game. And it's all credit to him that, considering how, how much they were battered by Port, he kept his word. And we had this chat pretty much straight after the final whistle last night. A Time Football Podcast. Into and now joining us from his shack in Iraq is Mr. Jamie Pinder. Hi, Jamie. Hey, and how's it going? It's going very well, thank you. Although, I guess
7: not so well for you. Well, as you say, you know, one team won today, one team didn't win. So, uh, it's life. Well, that's that's why you've come on, to
0: discuss the, <laughs> the big game. So, first of all, what what were your thoughts on the match?
7: It started well, obviously. It started very well. You had Ten minutes in, we're 1-0 up. 15 minutes in, we're 2-0 up and uh, all the BYU fans will say VAR did us a disservice and all the other fans will say VAR worked perfectly. You know, That's that's football, mate. People, people love it or hate it. And I think everyone maybe now understands that BYU RAM don't get all the decisions on VAR. I didn't actually see the incident and I've
0: not seen the replay. So what what actually happened with the disallowed goal? I wish I knew, mate.
7: I don't know whether it was given for a push or for a nudge or for, a, for an offside. I really don't know, but it was a poor decision, whichever it was. Went against us, that's life. Basically, you know, they went down the other end five minutes later and scored a rather acrobatic goal. There was a lot of niggly fouls. Um, either either set of fans will tell you they were the ones who were being picked over the pitch. I'll say we were, they say but they were. And they got a bit ragged, to be honest, right? by you know, half-time 1-1. Pretty fair, Yeah, pretty even first half.
0: I thought so. Like you said, the first 15-20 minutes were, I thought, really entertaining. And then it got very scrappy. There were lots of niggly fouls, as you have just alluded to. 1-1, one, one, first score. And then the second half, I I oh, thought man. they absolutely battered you.
7: To be honest with you, know, two minutes or so one minute in, I looked up and there was a, the, the ball was in the net and I tried to work out who would hit it. It took about two replays to figure out who would hit it. I mean, you, you can't complain about that. No one's going to stop that shot. Absolute super strike. You know, nothing wrong with that. Then it got a bit scrappy. And then Fluffy went to the back of someone and got nothing for it. And then we went down the end. We hit the crossbar underside the crossbar. You know another couple of inches that had gone in. That had been different. So you know things like you know disallowed goals and underside the crossbars, and it could have been very different. I will say that I think they surround the ref and get in his face. They will say we get around this, around him. I put a note down there. I like this. I said on seventy five minutes, Port scored a third. Ram really are trying to get their coach sacked for once. <laughs> It could have been far worse, mate. I mean, Borden missed an open goal, um, which you or I could have put in the net. Then they got a fourth goal, and it could have been more. I wrote some funny things down. I was thinking, was like, finally, Port get payback for when we put five past them and relegated them, and maybe that's how they feel. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure the Port fans are probably having a whale of an evening. Good luck to them. I hope they enjoy it.
0: I'm sure they are. And you mentioned the coach there. By the time this
7: goes out, which is Wednesday, do you think he'll have gone? I was hoping by the time we did this podcast, four hours after, or two hours after gaming, he might have gone. <laughs> Well, I haven't but, uh, seen anything yet. I haven't seen any news on that subject. Yeah, you so. have to you have to look at it and think. Okay, I've been convinced for a while they've got somebody coming in, but it's not until January. So if you're in that situation, do you dump the coach and play with a caretaker coach and hope you get something, or do you stick with him? Now I think sticking with him has been the bad plan at this moment. I'm, he'll be gone by Christmas for sure. But I don't think they should be sticking with him because he he's put us out the title race basically with the way he's playing. I had a little, little fantasy moment you know, just before we come on. and think, well, you know, Mano, our lovely friend Mano is out of a job and maybe he'd come in. His first phone call would be to Diogo Luis Santos saying, look, mate, you've just finished the Malaysian League. Any chance of borrowing you for five months to come in to play for us? Thought, Wouldn't that be lovely? Would that be your ideal scenario then? Think this, of course. It doesn't happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if yeah. Mano are you listening to this, mate, let me know. Drop me a line. <laughs> They've always got something up their sleeve, Dale. You know, they've got something in the background, they're always hiding stuff. But I
0: think you've said on Twitter a couple of times you're, you're surprised that it has gone on this long because usually your owner, chairman, whatever you want to call him, is quite ruthless when he needs to be. And it's, it's very yeah. out of character, isn't it, that he's let this go
7: on for so long. I was looking just before we came on. Yeah, you know, we drew like five out of six games, and if we hadn't, if we hadn't got draws, we'd be like in twelfth place in the league. And if we won them, we'd be like a point behind Bangkok United. So, yes, you know, so that run of results that normally would have got rid of a coach years ago with straight away. Whether there's some loyalty to him, I, I can't believe Nevin has loyalty to anybody when he was when he doesn't need them. You know, I know him; he's not like that. You know him; he's not like that. There's something going on. I've asked a couple of people sort of within the inner circle, and, and no one's letting letting on if they know anything.
0: Regardless of who's in charge, what are your now your
7: hopes and expectations for the rest of the season? Well, short of beating Bangkok United home and away and then going unbeaten until May, we're not going to win the league, for sure. Our ambition is, I guess, to finish second and win the, win the Cups. That's what you've got to aim for. We'll certainly finish above port. I think we'll catch BG. But I, I can't see us beating Bangkok United in January on the current form. They're going to hammer us, in which case it's all over. It's, they do look very good, don't they? It's interesting. I was just thinking of something, something that Rob the lovely Rob said at the beginning of the season he said as usual, it'll all be over by Christmas yeah Rob but not the team you thought would be out ahead <laughs> if it's a different team mate well I will be mentioning that to him
0: because he he did back Bury Ram to win it and I think he's he's still resolutely sticking to that
7: you know you've got to give him credit for that if they won every game in the second leg they might win it but that's the only way they're going to win it
0: Now that's not beyond the realms of possibility, is it?
7: (laughs) Given their previous track record, well, years gone by, not maybe. As we're sitting here right now, it is probably pretty much beyond the realm. I think. There's talk of, you know, there's, I've seen three or four young Brazilian, or say young, late 20 Brazilian strikers, you know, being touted as coming to the club. And there's a couple who are definitely on the way out, especially those who got banned from the AFC games. They're definitely on the way out. So there'll be, there'd be a change. You know what we're like. We love to change mid-season, sometimes with success, sometimes not. Um, a new coach putting some, you know, kicking them up the backside. So I think we'll finish second for sure. But Bangkok will run away with it. That's very optimistic. Because I, I was going to ask... And this, in all seriousness,
0: I mean, you know, we've, we've talked about the performances this season and quite clearly the, the current coach isn't up to the usual standard. We've seen it with my club, Chonbury, certainly, and we've seen it with Mumtong United to a certain extent. Once a club falls from grace, it's very hard, isn't it, to get back up and challenge again. Uh, do, do you think we're in some sort of end game of Barry Ram's dominance here? <laughs> what are you expecting me to
7: say to that? <laughs> um, well, uh, an honest answer, Jamie, really 2016, mate This is, so I've mentioned it a few times this Week 2016, the whole Tiraton episode He destroyed the dressing room And he left and went to Mumtong And they didn't recover that whole year They changed coaches, I think, three times They went from the from Gamma to um, an Iranian guy I forgot his name And then to Bazadar Bondovich, where his name is um, Went to him And they finished up fourth When the season was truncated at the end Because the king died They bounced back They won the league you know, it's so. They, th- I think the one thing about this coach is he, he knows the junior setup, and he has blooded a lot of players recently from the from the youth ranks, which is good for the future. They won't all make it. They're not all going to be super nuts and super chocks, but some of them will make it. So the future is not bad, I, yeah, of course they'll bounce back yeah, there's no doubt about it, no club is a better run normally, has a better setup and better academy than that team, they're not going to fade away I'm sorry.
0: And that's a great place to end it thanks Jamie and thanks for coming on it can't have been easy in light of a, a 4-1 defeat.
1: Yeah top man Jamie, thanks for sticking to your word mate, it won't have been easy Don't worry, Burry are going to bounce back. You've got too much infrastructure, money and power. No problem there. Very interesting to hear what he was saying about players being bombed out who were indisciplined in China. I was very sympathetic to them on that occasion, but I can see exactly how it happened after last night. They're not used to teams getting stuck into them. They don't like it up them. And Tiraton last night with the cutthroat gesture after the the goal that was then later ruled out, I thought was absolutely vile, isn't No need for it And I tell you what I think the difference was last night To Port and in the last few games I know he's got his detractors Charlie Clough. What a cavalier. He was making old-fashioned challenges and straight away it got put on the front foot.
0: I have to agree. Friend of the show, Charlie Clough. But yeah, you, you're absolutely right. He was immense, wasn't he, last night? And I think considering he's he's not had that much game time this season, it was an even more impressive performance, I felt. Very commanding. Nothing got past him. And as you say, that, I think that kind of attitude spread throughout the whole team, didn't it? They were certainly up for it.
1: Definitely. And I tell you what, it was the same against BG. They were absolute Trojans. And uh, I think they would have gone on and won that BG game. Fortunately, last night, they had Hamilton to come on up front. And it made a massive difference.
0: I think they were well-deserved winners. From a Borry Ram perspective, I mean, obviously, Jamie and I mentioned it in, in the chat we had. But the, the coaching situation is just bizarre, isn't it?
1: Well, I'm going to be watching their FA Cup game on Wednesday, utter it, with great interest. Will he be on the bench? And it'll be interesting to see the players' attitudes. Are they really wanting it?
0: Well, keep an eye on that one.
1: The good news for Port is the soft underbelly seems to have gone. I expect them to do very well in the second leg. And don't rule Buriram out yet. As you quite rightly said, they have got the capabilities financially to attract the right coach. Don't put anything past them.
0: And all credit to you, Rob, for sticking to your guns as well.
1: Don't get me wrong, I think I'm completely out. But I wouldn't rule it out. I think Bangkok United have surprised us all. They've been immense. But just don't rule Bury Ram out yet. I've seen stranger things than that have happened. Remember Liverpool being nine points adrift at
0: Christmas. Hi, my name is Fran and I'm listening to a Thai football podcast. Now on to the other end of the table, the relegation battle. So Gian came on and we had a look at the bottom half of the table and he kind of turned the tables on me to some extent when he put me on the spot and asked me about Chamboree. So this is a conversation that Jan and I had about the possibility of who's going down this season and who's staying up. Thai football podcast interview. Welcome back, Jan. It's really great to
8: have you on the podcast again. Yeah, thanks for having me. How have you been? Uh, Good, fine. Um, Back in Thailand at the moment, enjoying watching as much Thai league as possible, and great to talk about it as well.
0: And enjoying the weather, presumably.
8: Oh yeah, for sure.
0: So you've come on today Mm -hmm. to talk predominantly about the relegation battle in the T1 which yeah. is very tight isn't it at the moment there are a lot of teams who are either already in it mm-hmm. and quite a few more who could easily get sucked into it So Mm -hmm. go on, initial thoughts please.
8: Well, I'm firstly stunned about Chumbury's performance and we'll come to that in a second when I flip it back on you. But a lot of teams that I thought would struggle have had fantastic seasons. I think number one of that we have to bring up is with Taitani. They started very badly. I thought they were nailed on relegation candidates and the new coach there, I think his name is Mikael Stara from Sweden. What a turnaround it's been. They look very good. They look very organised. They're a big threat on the counter and I think that they will not only survive, but have a fantastic first season in the Thai League. So that's really impressed me. The Khan Patom, as well, with their manager, Akbar Nawaz, they look very good. It's a difficult place to go now. I wasn't expecting that, but they're very compact, hard to play against. They press very well, but they've lost their last two games, uh, lost to Shanghai at the weekend, so they could get sucked back into it and Concan have not won in a long time, and I thought they would be doing better. So flipping on the other end, Chumbri and Concan and up all three of them, I didn't think that they would be in the relegation battle. I thought that they would be Fairly safe in mid-table. Uh, when I look at the players up have, I thought this is not a team that will be in the relegation zone. Not only that they're actually bottom of the league, which is quite surprising. And of course, Chonburi. One of the, I would still argue, biggest clubs in Thailand with a great history. To see what's happened to them um, and to be so far adrift from safety this you know, this point in the season is quite scary. So I want to flip it back on you. Like, what's What's gone wrong this season? Why are Chonburi where they are?
0: <sighs> How long have you got?
8: Um, <laughs> <laughs> really
0: yeah I yeah. think this has been coming it's it's something that's built up over the past few seasons we have flirted with relegation once or twice before in recent times as you're probably aware in terms of this season we brought in a new coach sasson went we're very reliant on younger players which yeah. when things are going well it's it's great to introduce youngsters into the squad get them playing as much as possible and obviously our track record of bringing young players through is a very good one mm-hmm. and something we're rightly proud of however in this situation it's not ideal i mean i looked at the team the other day against prachuap and it was a very young side you know very little experience and when you're in a relegation scrap need players who are going to knuckle down. And I think as well, the, the foreigners we've brought in this season aren't as good as ones we've had in previous years. I'm not impressed with the centre half. The forwards look a bit lacklustre. I think the only one that has got any quality is, is Patrick Dato. And obviously, you know, he's, he's having to work very hard because he's constantly being called into action. As regards where do we go from here, it's difficult to say. Now, obviously, we, we still don't have a head coach, which is worrying. My big concern now is that given the state of finances at the club, which again have been an issue for a a few seasons, is that we might be in a position where the senior management are going to say, right, we're going to accept our fate here. We're going to build a team with youngsters, give them a season Mm -hmm. of experience. Mm -hmm. We're going to let all the foreigners go during the window because obviously they'll be the highest earners at the club now, possibly Mm -hmm. with the exception of Pritzadar and Kriakrit, and just accept relegation and try and come back stronger next year. The coach as well, because we've got people already on the coaching staff I mean, Adun was on the bench the other night. That's a cost-saving exercise. They don't have to pay a high salary to bring anyone in. And really, in this situation, you need someone who's got experience, who can rally the players, who can make the right signings during the window. And Mm -hmm. I just think, knowing what I know, that they might just say, yeah, this is our season to go down. We'll just get Mm -hmm. to the end of the year as best we can. And try and come back next year which isn't ideal now I could be completely wrong I hope I am but that wouldn't surprise me in the slightest I don't know what you think about that
8: yeah Yeah. um I discussed this possibility as well with a mutual friend of ours who supports Chonbury and as it's as scary as it sounds and I I think Chonbury's relegation would be the most shocking even maybe more than BG's a few years ago that scenario sounds awful and scary I understand but maybe it's not the worst scenario in the world. You have a lot of young players who can do a job. Um, I think if you get a few battle-hardened foreign players to be the spine of your team in T2, the young players you have could carry you back into T1. There are a lot of older players who either have, and this is my opinion, maybe I'm wrong, who've either downed tools or are anticipating moves away or have just not looked after themselves physically. I don't want to name names, but there are some players when you look at that Chamboree team who do not look after themselves, like you can see it. They didn't. They do did not push themselves as hard as some of the other teams in this relegation fight, which is what's scary to me and uh, would be scary if I was a Chamboree fan, I said. But as someone, as a Muangthong Tong fan, who recently, I maybe mean possibly still ongoing through a financial crisis moment for the club, the lesson that I would say is that the gap in quality of between players in the Thai league, it's not, so large that a young player with the right training and the right attitude and the right coaching can't fill the gap. For example, when we sold Sarat to BG for a decent sum, which was great for the club's survival during COVID, people thought, well, what are we going to do now? We're finished. Sarat is gone. Uh, And out of nowhere, we pull Weiratepe out of the hat. And he's now probably wanted by every other club in Thailand as well. So, it's possible to do, but it, it, it needs a really good appointment who is committed to the club and it needs the players to live up to a very high professional standard, but it's it's doable. That being said, I think every Chonburi fan would, would, would rather avoid relegation, but yeah, I, I don't think it's the end of the world if that does happen and you decide the strategy of let's bring in a bunch of young players because look at the, the youth national team ranks. It's all Chonburi, Chonburi. They're really good at this, producing young players and come back up with a new refreshed team and a new culture in the squad you know ad- adversity and difficulty can make people stronger so there's th- there's that if you want a positive spin on that that's that's how i would put it yeah
0: I, I totally get what you're saying i watched the game on friday and we were so far off the pace and Prachuap mm-hmm. were awful i mean they weren't a good side by any stretch of the imagination yeah. and that is a worrying sign when yeah. you you go to places like that Three points on Friday. That would have sent out a message. It would have shown that they do have the bottle for the fight. It would have stranded up a bit further at the bottom. there would have been a few points further adrift, wouldn't they? I think four points adrift before the game. And now they're only one point behind us. I, I can't honestly see where the next win's coming from. I mean, we've got... A couple <laughs> of difficult games before the, the break. Right. I mean, Mung yeah. Tong at the weekend, we've got Bangkok United. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not going to be easy. And that's, that's when you start looking ahead, isn't it? And thinking like, where's the next win coming from? Where's the next point coming from? And unless we do something drastic in the break, I, I think we will go down. And I, I think we've already accepted that now, which is worrying. <laughs> the only comfort I can take is that it is still pretty close. It's not that big a gap at the moment. I mean, we do have a game in hand against Bangkok United, but again, I, you know, I, I just can't see, I just can't see how we're going to pick up points. And again, when you're in this situation, you always look, don't you, and think, yeah, there's easily three teams that are worse than us. But I can't honestly say that this season. I saw one at the weekend, Prachuap. The only other team I've seen that I thought were poor, and you've already mentioned them, and they've had a resurgence, was Utaitani. I didn't think they were very good when they played us.
8: Yeah, and now look at them.
0: Yeah, they've obviously improved. Now, I know we were going to talk about this. It's probably the best time to bring it up now, was the rumours earlier in the week about extending the league to 18 Mm. teams. Now, I'm against that. I think 16 currently is probably the right number of teams in T1. But have you noticed? And I'm I'm saying this as a Chumberry fan now. Have you noticed how this always tends to crop up when one of the big sides is in trouble at the bottom?
8: Yeah, it does. That's a good point. It always does seem to do that.
0: Yeah, I've I've seen it happen before. I mean, there was the infamous season when the when Army was still functioning and they were in mm-hmm. real danger of going down. They didn't. I don't think they extended the league, but with about three weeks to go, they announced there'd be playoffs to determine the relegation. <laughs> (laughs) Not at the end of the season. I don't think it's a coincidence.
8: I, I don't think so either. So, what's the plan? Relegate one and then bring up three and make it 18? Uh, look, I don't think it should become 18. I think 16 is perfect. And I say that for two reasons. The first is there's no weak team in the Thai league this season. There's no team that's like there to get beaten by everybody. And that's very good. Um, I mean, the reason Chumburi is down there. Yeah, a lot of it is down to the struggles with your own management and problems of your own making. But another part is that there's no weak team. I mean, you look at Concan at the weekend. They had BG at home. Within the first 30 minutes, it could have been 4-0 down. But they rallied. They got themselves together and they managed to grant out a point, which is very impressive. So there's no weak team and that's great. And secondly, it makes T2 a lot stronger. There's a lot of teams in T2 that have real quality. Real quality is relative, of course, relative to in that league it it, it means that there are better teams down there and it elevates the standard down there if you bring all of the decent teams in t2 into t1 then t1 becomes a less lucrative price it becomes easier to get into and then the quality will drop overall so i think 16 is perfect i think it shouldn't change if it is your management pulling some strings behind the scenes that's possible but i don't think that they will make that kind of change in mid-season i have more faith in them than that and if they want to extend to 18 they should make it clear before the season starts that we're going to do this not mid-season to save a club and i would say that if it was my club there or someone else's club there i, I wouldn't want this but hopefully it doesn't go through and hopefully tombree survive anyways
0: well, we'll see i i agree on both counts I, <laughs> I hope we do survive and i hope it doesn't go through and yeah. of course the on is another Factor that we have to mention is the situation at police terror. Now, we mention this pretty much every week on this podcast. They're in a mess. I, I know yep, there's been yep. some news this morning that there have been questions being asked about the Cambodian investors that should have been mm. asked a long time ago, not now. I mean, if you know, if, if we lose police terror, which I don't want to happen, obviously, from a footballing point of view, but you clutch at straws, don't you, when your team's in trouble. And yes. extending the league to 18 teams and police terror going out of business would, would actually be good for trouble. <laughs> not, not that I'm w- wanting either of those things to happen. I've got to stress that now i don't you know i'm <laughs> all for you know a level playing field and it's league positions and relegation and promotion should be determined on the field and nowhere else in my opinion so i yes. don't want those things to happen but th- these are the kind of things that could come the end of the season be john mm. salvation which is quite tragic really when you consider our history and our reputation
8: that's true but at the other hand competitive football is like that if you can't run your club if you can't pay your players you deserve to go down it's it's always tough on the fans the fans are the ones who suffer the most and i really feel terrible for tarot fans but i think that if you run your club badly you should go down that's how that should work um and that's how we encourage the rest of the league to get their stuff together i mean not paying your players in an ideal world it would result in a point deduction. If it results in a mass exodus of players, then that's what the management gets for how they perform. And again, like, huge sympathy for the fans. I, I hope management can get, get their stuff together. Although again, from a selfish perspective, I'm looking at Tarot's squad like a Christmas shopping list at the moment, discussing with my Mung Tong friends who should we sign, who should we, you know, what should we do? But that's completely besides the point. I wish it wasn't happening to a club. Again, great history, great club, but simple as that. Players should 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 be treated better. should be paid on time and they should be able to leave freely when they're not paid so we'll see what happens there
0: okay so just before we finish three to go down
8: just assuming everything
0: stays as it is so 16 team league no extra places who's going down
8: it's very difficult i'll say tarot going down i do think that's gonna happen the way the sources from what i've heard that it really is a dire situation there so i think tarot is in fact going down i'll be safe i'll say tarot Brought you up. I can't relegate Dusit though. He's too good to get relegated, Dusit, isn't he? Oh, this is difficult. Taro brought you up and Concan. Let's say. Let's say Chomburi survived. Somehow, some miracle happens.
0: Last day of the season.
8: Yeah, last day of the season. You just sneak in through the. Yeah, possible.
0: Okay. And hopefully we'll get you on at the end of the season to discuss those predictions, Jan. Yep. So that's been great. Thanks so much for taking the time to come and chat. Tough going at times, <laughs> <laughs> but it needed saying. So, Thank you. Enjoy your week and enjoy the warm weather.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed that and it was good had you put you on the spot. If I can just put my input on the Friday night game, Dale, I thought you'd be okay. But I tell you what, there's no physical presence. The solution that Porter found is exactly what Chombury need. They were shocking at the back. They looked like a youth team. They weren't so bad going forward, but the foreign players for Patchup just bullied them.
0: Yeah, it's a big, big problem. I mean, obviously I said my piece in the conversation with Jan, but I am really worried. I think we're going to go down. There you go. I think we will. I don't think we've got the the heart for the fight. That was... Very evident, wasn't it, on Friday night? There was just no, no leaders on the pitch. There was nobody getting stuck in. There was nobody willing to roll the sleeves up, metaphorically. And it's it's a worrying sign. And not having a coach as well, or even a sniff of one, I think, at the moment.
1: There's too many of them trying to play pretty football when that's the last thing you need when you're at the bottom, of the, you know, in real trouble. And talking of terror, I mean, it's all right the players getting so much money, but not the total amount. Like Steve Derby It's no good going and trying to pay your rent and saying there's some of it.
0: Absolutely. No employee should be treated like that. It's shocking.
1: We can all have a go at players. Any of us who went to work and got a half-wage packet, we would be livid.
0: Quite rightly. Anyway, we're going to raise the mood now, and you just mentioned Steve Darby. So last week, we had Anthony Sutton on the show, and Anthony told us a few interesting stories about Steve. And he offered a copy of his book The itinerant coach, signed by Steve Derby as a prize in our easy-to-enter competition, shall we say. If anybody was paying attention, they'd probably get this answer. And we had a lot of entries, so people were listening. And I've got the... Well, it's not quite a velvet bag and old-fashioned balls in it. It's one of my beanie hats full of crumpled up scraps of paper with names written on them.
1: Bill, you've shattered the illusion. I had (laughs) you down as Billy chip there.
0: But I'm sorry, it's the best I... I could do, I'm afraid. Right, so the answer to the the question which team does Steve Derby support was, of course, Liverpool. I think we got hundred hundred percent right answers. Nobody got that wrong. So I'm about to make the draw. You're going to have to trust me here. I do have the bag. I'm going to put my hands oh, in.
1: Sorry, I remember when the League Cup got Donald Trump. We've got you in Kendall doing this.
0: Let Let's hope I don't go the same way that he did. Oh no! Right. Okay. got the winning one so i'm just unfolding the piece of paper and the winner of a signed copy of the itinerant coach by anthony sutton is (laughs) craig henry so congratulations craig if you can send us your details we'll get that in the post to you as soon as possible i mean obviously it's christmas over here so there might be a delay in getting it to you but we'll get it to you as soon as we can congratulations to craig and thank you so much To everyone who entered, fantastic response. And obviously, thanks to Anthony and Steve for donating the prize. Much appreciated.
1: Thanks for everybody who's getting in touch all the time and the the contributors. Everyone who's got involved with this podcast made it so worthwhile for us.
0: They certainly have. It's been fantastic, have not it? I know we've said it before, but the response has been brilliant. And yeah, we're, we're both... Very appreciative of all your support and contributions and please keep them coming. So I think that's pretty much it for this week, Rob. Have a great seven days and we'll speak to you next Wednesday.
1: Stay well wherever you are, folks.